You are listening to The Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. Welcome back, Questers. It is I, Brian, joined from afar again by my partner in crime, Justin. Hello. Well, that was a uh, very ecstatic welcome, Brian. Maybe your best yet. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. I, you know, I think, uh, what is this for me? Um, probably almost three weeks of in quarantine, full quarantine. Yeah, it's about almost three weeks, 18 days or something like that since yeah. since I returned. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I was just texting with somebody and, and I noted that the only, like, actual interactions I've had for those 18 days, other than, like, jogging and, and waving at somebody, are twice going to the grocery store and twice picking up takeout. So, like, that's the only, like, physical interactions that I've had. <laughs> so maybe I, maybe it's getting to me and so I like I needed to put some excitement somewhere else yeah you have a lot of uh, pent up energy just ready for this podcast potentially yeah maybe maybe that's what it is but uh, we're talking about the show Shark Tank and I have no idea why we decided on it Justin maybe you can put some insight into that but uh, we were asking about what topics we should talk about last night and shark tank came up from you and i said let's roll with it yeah we had this one on our docket for a while and i just uh, the premise of of the show i um, you know it's been around for a while and you know in terms of interesting topics i just it was just one of those that i thought we could deep dive into and you know it's we were i wanted to pick a topic that wasn't necessarily relevant to you know, it didn't have to be relevant to what's going on right now, though there will be some connections, I'm sure. But yeah, just kind of a, a just get away from uh, everything on a focus on a TV show. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. I uh, I learned a lot. I well, I mean, I guess I, can I unbury the lead right off the bat? Whoa, that would be impressive. Yeah, go for it. Okay, well, I, I can't say that I watch the show like regularly. I do remember when I think it first started to come on, it, the airing time was like on Friday night, Friday in prime time, which to me is always a really weird time for shows to be on because it's like you're probably out doing something or it's like the one active day of the week that I'm never consistently home watching the TV show. Like Monday, Tuesday, and then you know maybe even Wednesday, but then Thursday, Friday start to be kind of the days you do stuff, or I at least I yep. do stuff in the evenings. Yeah. And so you know I would catch it every once in a while. I would actually there was a couple times uh, when it first came on that I went over to a friend's house and they were watching it, and I was like, this is exactly the the instance that you might watch Shark Tank is like you go over and you're kind of it's on in the background because you're doing something else. Sure. Yeah, I think there's some validity to that. I have some similarities to me too. I I remember like really watching it in, you know, late high school or maybe just in high school in general, uh, when it was first kind of coming on. And uh yeah, it was something that like Wait, I would you're watch that much younger than me? 
I mean, we got we got the Barney gap. Barney right? age like, gap. I thought it was four years. Four year. Well, yeah. Well, when, when, when did was you the gra- first year that it was on? Two thousand nine. Two thousand nine was. Yeah, that would have been. Oh, I guess I would have graduated high school in two thousand eight. So then it would have been it would have been early college, but I was still staying at home. So that's oh, why I was it. thinking from the school. Got it. So got the it. first two years I stayed at home, commuted to college, and then I went to a different or a faraway college. Yeah. But, okay. But yeah, so that was like one of the, I guess when it first came on and I was watching it with my mom a lot. And then, you know, occasionally I'd, you know, put it on when I was either back home from college or, or even afterwards. We'll, we'll very rarely now, but when we first moved out to Seattle, it would be lightly in our rotation of just throwing some stuff on. My mom was an entrepreneur. And yeah. so like, I, I kind of, I know she was interested in it. And I always kind of was drawn a little bit to it from that. And so I, I, I always enjoyed the show and I, it never like blew me away, but I enjoyed it. Yeah. Let's put it in this perspective. I thought it was weird when Mark Cuban joined the show. And Mark Cuban joined this show in in year three. So like that's yeah. putting it in perspective of like where I, you know, joined the show. Not that yeah. I watched it regularly, but it was like, whoa, Mark Cuban's going on Shark Tank and and now he's a regular, you know, person on Shark Tank. Yeah. That that's kind of where I come at it from. And learning about the history and that it was only year three that he joined kind of blew me like it just blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm excited to get deeper into it. I, uh, my, my stats were, I thought were very interesting too. So it, it hopefully will have a, an engaging topic, uh, for, for the listeners today. All right. Well, uh, let's jump into some shark tank news. You're a newsman. I ever tell you otherwise. Punch me in the face. So my news comes from, uh, CNBC and it was, uh, uh, Recently, they they did a story on Barbara Corcoran, and she's one of the entrepreneurs. She's been there since day one, and we'll, and we'll get into Barbara yeah. later. But it's featuring the fact that 50% of the judges on Shark Tank are actually dyslexic and actually have, have for a long time, you know, talked about their dyslexia. So Barbara, Damon, John, and... And Kevin O'Leary all have dyx- dyslexia, huh. and yeah, it, it's interesting that they actually talk about thirty-five percent of entrepreneurs in the U.S. are dyslexic. Yes. So it's kind of this yeah. whole biopic on on you know Barbara and her life becoming an entrepreneur, but then lightly touching on the fact that you know this dyslexia and how this kind of impacted her, you know, to become a a entrepreneur and and how it potentially helped her and and uh, both her and Kevin, well, actually all three of them have talked about their yeah. dyslexia and, and the things that they've kind of overcome in their lives and how that's helped them or you know get the, to where they are today. Yeah, no, it's it's. I'm glad you brought this up. It's interesting. Um, so two things. One that. Um, I'm actually, I was reading for a while. I, I kind of put it down, but uh, Damon Johns has a book that talks about just, you know, leadership and motivation and um, all of that. And he goes kind of, he spends almost a chapter talking about dyslexia, dyslexia and how he has it and how a lot of, you know, entrepreneurs have it. I think you said, you know, something like 35%. 
there's like some really interesting statistics that show how entrepreneurs like them and, and others that have that, you know, thing that, that really they have to push through. They have to fight so much harder than other people. And that's one of the reasons why they're so good at what they do um, because they've fought through so much in their lives. And, uh, and yeah, Barbara uh, was an interesting one too. I'm glad you brought her up. She, uh, one of my, well, I wouldn't say favorite, but I, I listened to a podcast probably a year or two ago, uh, which I don't, you'd probably be interested in. I know you don't podcast. Yeah, I'm not before, a podcaster. It, it's... But, uh, but there's a How I Built This with Guy Raz. It's a pretty popular podcast. And basically it goes, it like focuses on Barbara's like real estate empire that she built from like nothing to, you know, what it is today. And, uh, and just like all the challenges that she went through. I didn't, re- I didn't remember or realize that she was dyslexic as well, but, yeah. um, but yeah, she's kind of inspiring with, with her story. Yeah. Apparently they also in the story include, uh, Richard Branson, who was a guest oh, judge yeah, yeah, yeah. In, or guest entrepreneur. And he also is the dyslexic. So. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, well, actually, my story was uh, also related to Barbara. So, and, and this is like probably the one thing that, that'll be related to the timing of, of everything going on right now. But so, you know, as the progress, you know, is being made on getting the you know, 350 billion or so uh, stimulus loans uh, and grants to small business owners. Barbara Corcoran actually came out and, and is warning that it might not be enough to prevent many of the startups from shuttering amid the coronavirus. So she actually said, so um, a lot of the businesses that she directly backs and most, and a lot of them from the show, obviously have already been forced to lay off between 25 and 30% of their employees yeah. in the past two weeks. And uh, she estimates that the majority of her investments will actually fail to make it through the slowdown. But, you know, there was some like kind of promising stuff that she talked about. And um, there's a snack food startup called Pipcorn, which, um, you know, is one that she invested in. And uh, they're donating snacks to nurses and doctors in New York area. And she talked about how like companies like that, you know, it's interesting to see uh, who in small businesses sometimes uh, the least have the least resources, but the most conviction to find a way to help out. And those are the companies that she's least worried about because they're creative and adaptive. So, yeah. I, I mean, you've seen we've seen a lot of this, you know, happening, and this will be a theme, obviously, of the show with entrepreneurship being kind of a foundation for this. But just seeing a lot of these companies come out and and do unique things that that they don't typically do. I, I know I was talking with my uh, my mo- my mother, my mom, and uh, she she runs a tea tea house in Pennsylvania, and they're basically shut down. And you know I talk with her probably every couple of days now, and I keep telling her, you know, hey, you're gonna eventually you're gonna have to turn on turn the switch, and you might have to start doing delivery, and you're a tea house. Like tea houses are not built for that. Yeah. Um, and she reminded me of that, but just like, and then she eventually, you know, this week I think flipped the switch and is now starting to do take or pick up and and uh, you know take out and type things and which is you know so much against what she's built this experience around. But you have to be creative to survive 
uh, with this type of thing. So yep. I just thought it was interesting perspective from, you know, a multimillionaire that, you know, invests in a lot of small businesses. Cool. All right. Well, let's uh, drop into some dropping knowledge. As we normally do, I am the history guy and Justin is the stats guy. We already unburied the lead so I can actually go into the dropping of knowledge. So we'll start with some history. So Shark Tank, like I said, uh, well, it actually began uh, in 2001 when a show called Tigers of Money aired in Japan. And there was a three-year run uh, until 2004. And this show featured entrepreneurs that would bring their ideas before wealthy investors called Tigers in hopes of acquiring investment in their business, similar to what we have with Shark Tank. In 2005, Sony Pictures sold this uh, type of format to other countries. So BBC Manchester actually was the first one to pick it up, and it renamed the show Dragon's Den. So in 2005, you know, we had it in England, and then in 2006, Dragon's Den came to the Canadian Broadcasting Company. And that's where this tie actually comes to what we know as Shark Tank, uh, because a couple of the members of the entrepreneur or the, the investors actually came from this Dragon's Den uh, Canadian Broadcasting Company show. So yeah. ABC picked up the show and premiered on August 9th, 2009. The first season featured 14 episodes, and the original cast included Kevin O'Leary, Barbara Co- Cochran, uh, Damon John, Robert Her- Herjavec. I knew I was going to mess that one up, but Herjavec, <laughs> and Kevin Harrington. So Kevin, uh, he actually co-founded SoftKey Software Products, uh, and this was a computer game company. And he was featured on the Canadians' Dragon's Den in 2006. Softkey, and I, I knew I knew this this uh, company from you know the early, uh, well, I guess late 90s and early 2000s. But uh, can you name maybe one of the games that uh, the computer games that uh, Softkey came up with? Oh. It's a computer game. I'm gonna guess roller to- roller coaster tycoon. No, no, no. I don't know. Oregon Trail. Oh, nice. Yeah, okay. Oregon Trail, okay. the original, and uh, for uh, DOS and Oregon Trail uh, number two. So we move on to Barbara Cochran. You talked about uh, the Co- the Cochran Group and the real estate brokerage that she, you know, kind of started from the ground up. And she really handles a lot of the the real estate in New York City. Uh, Damon John uh, was the founder and president and CEO of FUBU. I'm not sure if you're familiar with uh, FUBU, but I didn't realize that that's where he he got his claim to fame. Uh, Robert, he founded BRAC Systems, uh, and that was a Canadian internet uh, security software company. And he was actually also a regular on the Dragon's Den in Canada. Okay. Kevin Harrington, he formed the Home Shopping Network. And he is the only original person who is no longer on the the show. He only lasted two seasons as an investor. So he, he created Home Shopping Network? Yep. 
Interesting, because then, I mean, you'll probably get into this, but then, uh, what's her face? The other gal. Yep, yep. okay, so so okay. let me uh, get to that. Uh, Mark Cuban, he appeared as a guest on season two, and then he became a, a main entrepreneur and investor in season three and is still there today. So Mark uh, is the founder and owner of Micro Solutions, a system integrator and software reseller. And he's also the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, you know, probably one of the most well-known of the Sharks. And then sure. Lori Greener, Greiner, uh, she appeared as a guest in season three, and she is still on the show today. She is the quote-unquote queen of QVC. So she's patented a number of consumer products and and over 100 patents to her name today. Wow. So that's probably who you're, is that who you were thinking yeah. of? Yeah, that's exactly who I was thinking of. Yeah. I just thought it was interesting that they, the inventor or the, you know, creator of the Home Shopping Network isn't on it anymore, but she is yeah. as, you know, the queen of it. Yeah. Well, Home Shopping Network and QVC are two different Oh, okay. Shows, Sorry. Right? I thought they were, thought they were the same. That's no. right. Home Shop- I mean, very similar, but they're, they're two different. Yeah. In 2012, so, so. You know, we're in season three or four, and in 2012, Shark Tank added uh, Lori and became the most watched program for the demographic of 18 to 49 year olds uh, in that time slot. I think possibly because it was on Friday evenings, but uh, you know, who, you, maybe you have those stats later. So, an interesting stat or uh, thing that I found was that. The show initially required each contestant to sign an agreement with uh, Finmax, the producer of Shark Tank, and it promised Finmax the option of getting uh, 2% royalty or 5% equity stake in the contestant's business venture. Oh. Yeah. But then in October of 2013, this requirement was repealed by the network retroactively because Mark Cuban came and, and basically put pressure on on the company and they felt that, or Cuban felt that the requirement would lower the quality of entrepreneurs as uh, savvy investors would be wary of trading away portion of their company just for appearing on the show. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of what I'm, I, I mean, I'm glad that he made that decision or that, or pushed for that, I guess I would say. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then from 2014 to 2017, the show actually won a primetime Emmy Awards for Outstanding Structured Reality Program. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, in 2015, ABC launched Beyond the Tank to show current state the current state of, of companies that have appeared on Shark Tank. It only, I believe, lasted a couple seasons, so, you know, didn't do too great, but... And then uh, just kind of a, some notes on on some notable uh, uh, products that have been featured on the show. So, Doorbot appeared in 2013. Any idea what what that Doorbot is now? Nope, couldn't tell you. It is Ring, the company Ring. So oh, the doorbell really? system, yeah, featured huh. on Shark Tank first. Scan also, uh, I, I wasn't fully aware of what scan was but it was acquired by snapchat 
Coffee Meets Bagel, which is a dating application. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that. The uh, Breathomon- Breathometer was actually the first company that all five sharks invested in. And it was okay. to measure blood alcohol level using your phone. The uh, company actually failed, but uh, it was the first one that all five sharks invested in. Yeah. One of the most popular ones and, and most notable ones is uh, the Scrub Daddy. So it's a, a smiley face sponge that uh, uses a special polymer that changes the texture based off the heat of the water that the sponge touches. Yeah, I heard about this one. I don't remember watching it, but I remember reading about it. I don't I don't know if I would want or need that product. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of interesting because if you think about, like, washing dishes, right? Sometimes you need a little bit more of a firm uh, sponge. So you could just change the heat of your water temperature. Yeah. Uh, small, small note, because I was just looking at some stuff. Uh, you mentioned the uh the door bot yeah and uh he was seeking seven hundred thousand for ten percent equity they, he didn't get a deal but then i guess a couple years later they sold to amazon for 1.1 billion man so <laughs> that's uh that's crazy. pretty crazy yeah another one that they listed was Groovebook, which was acquired by shutterfly manscaped which is a rechargeable shaver, and then Talbot Teas, which was acquired by Jamba Juice. And then the last uh, interesting note that I found was that it's actually estimated that about two-thirds of the deals that people agree upon in the show and, and like, the, you know, investors say they will invest in actually fall through once they look at all of the paperwork and terms of disclosure and all that kind of stuff with the the company so i i thought that was interesting that even when you know they may agree in the show and say yes we're gonna take this deal it may not always pan out or more than likely does not pan out yeah i i heard that too which is kind of you know it makes it makes for good ratings and everything to make a deal on the on you know in the moment and all of that but you know, there's a lot more to a business deal than just a handshake. Yeah. Um, you know, you need to to think through all that stuff. So, I, I mean, that's still a high number, but I it doesn't surprise me that they don't all succeed. Yeah. Sure. I, I did see that they, some of those, you know, I guess negotiations or pitch periods can last up to an hour. Uh, oh, that's a, that's a long time. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Again, you're pitching your business. It, sometimes it doesn't take three minutes to do that. But, I mean, you can do a little bit of that. But, yeah, that's that's wow. That's a long time. Yeah, and, and it's almost all uncut, too. Like, the, the producers almost never interject or anything like that. The, the only kind of one weird, you know, production note is that when people actually walk into the room, they apparently have to stand there in front of the sharks with their product for like a minute so that the production crew can get all the the various shots that they need of the person just standing there. So you just have to stand there in silence for a minute and then you can finally go into your pitch and then it might take you an hour to actually, you know, give your pitch and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Huh. The behind the scenes 
how the uh, sausage is made. Yeah, That's exactly. Nice. Well, uh, so I I will dig into some stats, and uh, I, I want to do a little bit on the ratings, but then really dig into some of the statistics from the show. So, you know the this the show itself really hit its peak or or like a strong moment in time. Uh, between seasons two and seven, they averaged about six million viewers for their premieres, and some of the finales got uh, even more than that. But you know, fast forward a little bit to where we are today. I mean, we're we're currently in season eleven, and uh, that's uh, started with about three million. So it's about half the viewership that was on. Uh, the during that time period and there's been a lot of talk of you know how long will the show last uh, there was talk that it could be canceled this year uh, that type of thing so it'll be just interesting to see it monitored I mean it still competes pretty heavily with a lot of the you know sitcoms and syndicated stuff but but yeah it's it's definitely on the decline uh, but I wanted to do a deep dive into the statistics from the show and about the deals and all of that. So 56% of contestants successfully make a deal. Do you think that's, or are you, would you say that's higher or lower than what you would have expected? I, I would have thought that was really high. Yes. Same here. I, I mean, I guess you don't want to necessarily show like, so like, too many people not getting it or whatever, but like 56% of every contestant that's been on the show has made a deal. And I thought that was just very high 10 years ago for comparison, it was only 42% of, of hopefuls got a deal. And then this past season. So I, all of this data kind of looks just cause we're in season 11, this looks season one through 10 in this past season the figure was 68 hmm. percent so seven out of ten people coming through the doors were getting the deal i mean i guess i can't uh, say that i've watched it in a while you yeah know. i i don't think so either and i'm i'm curious if some of those percentages are trying are are either hurting ratings because like everyone if everybody gets on and they all are great ideas you know partly why you watch is so that there's a bad idea or a weird idea that you just kind of laugh at and, and move on and they don't get a deal. But, but yeah, now there's a much higher success rate than in the first year. Um, I mean, I'm sure that's probably partly to do with that, you know, stat that we talked about earlier with Mark Cuban, you know, and, and the original like uh, requirement for some stake in the company just to even appear on the show, you know, not right. even not even talking about getting a deal with one of the investors just to appear on the show you had to give up some equity in your company so since that's happened in 2000 you know changed in 2013 maybe that's brought more you know quality invest or uh, entrepreneurs sure. and ideas to the show maybe yeah it definitely it definitely could be related that's an interesting point you know how something like that would affect you know, the quality of the deals coming through. Yeah, I, I thought it was just interesting in general, that whole stat on on how many deals are made. But so uh, women are actually pretty, un well, I won't say pretty, but they're unrepresented on the show and, sec and secure 
smaller deals than a lot of the men do. So six out of 10 uh, contestants were men or all male teams, while 24% are all women and 16% are mixed teams. So a lot of the people on the show are, you know, and this entrepreneurship in general is often dominated by, you know, more men than, than women. And so I thought it was interesting that, that that kind of reflected a little bit here, but comparatively only 2.2% of all uh, venture capital dollars go to women in the real world. And so like, they're actually the fact that 24% are, you know, getting, you know, are all women teams that are getting it on Shark Tank, I think is at least positive. And though underrepresented on Shark Tank, 60% of women who make it onto the show got a deal compared to 53% of all men. So they're actually seeing more success than the men are in in their pitches. So I thought that was kind of cool. And the average contestant asks for $301,000 and is only willing to sacrifice 13% of his or her company and seeks about a 3.6 million valuation of their company. So that's pretty, if you're looking to go on the show, you know, you better have some decent numbers. You know, you're not asking for pennies to start something up. Like you actually feel like your business is very viable and, and could be a powerhouse. But the average deal amount is 286,000 so that's a 5% difference in so they're they're but they're getting pretty close to what they they want uh from a money but the average equity given up is 27% which is a 52% increase so basically how these deals are happening is they're saying we'll give you the money but we want twice as much you know equity in the company um than you're willing to give or at least in your initial pitch uh, so it's kind of tough. It's tough for these people to make decisions off of it. When the show first began, the average contestant had to give up half of his or her company in exchange for a much smaller valuation. So that's something, too, that I think maybe the quality of, of the deals have improved because, you know, you may not want to give up half of your company just because, you know, they're offering you the money. So that, that was that was pretty cool. Yeah. More than half of all pitches fell into three categories. Food and beverage was 20%. Fashion and beauty was 19%. And lifestyle or home is 16%. And, you know, in there too, you know, booze and cupcakes seem to be random like of the Shark Tank uh, producers. So, uh, and the, the, the sharks, I guess. Over time, the popularity of certain industries has changed. So between season one and 10, food and beverage pitches increased by 15%. And in that same period, ideas for children's products tanked by 10% from year one to 10. So there's different, There's it's kind of cool to see, I mean, because it's been around for a decade plus, to see trends in certain inventions shifting you know, to, to different needs. Uh, over the past 10 years, there have been 22 deals over $1 million. And the highest was Aircar. Have you heard about Aircar? No. Right? Mm -mm. 
So Aircar, I believe it sold um, or it um, received $5 million in that deal. And it's a car that runs just from air. Just so just like it says, it doesn't use gas. It doesn't use oil. It doesn't use anything like that. It is straight air, um, which their biggest pitch was actually like you have the most abundant resource to move around your car. Um, it's a wonky, it's a weird looking thing. It looks kind of like a future car, but it's like a, a little bubble kind of thing. Yeah, I'm looking uh, at it now. Yeah. It's like a it's, mini uh, Cooper, but like they cut off the front end of it. Yes. Yeah, it's it's super weird looking. Apparently, I mean, one of the enticing things, I, w- I ended up watching the pitch, and uh, one of the enticing things was that the car is only $10,000, which is, you know, pretty affordable to never have gas and to be able to ride around, you know, basically they they said it's better than electric but they ran into snags i looked into them afterwards they ran into some snags with you know launching their product in the u.s and so they uh i don't i don't know if they're still making them or not but that was the most money invested in a in a deal you mentioned you know obviously mark being one of the more prominent and prolific people coming on uh he also has the most deals so in the 10 seasons he's been on or 10 or so seasons he's been on, well, I guess it hasn't been 10 seasons, but all through his seasons, he's made 151 deals, which is more than anybody else. And, and he hasn't been there the whole time, which is kind of cool to see. Like there's people that have been there for, you know, the entire time and have, aren't even really close to him. But the really interesting thing that I, I thought, um, and I, I wanted to look into this as well. So Cuban has, he leads the pack with obviously the most amount of deals and it, his, so that's $33.6 million that I think is his, that's, that's not is about, that's how much money he's put into it, but that's only 1% of his net worth. <laughs> Whereas you look at Grenier's investments represents a, almost a quarter of her reported hundred million dollar fortune so wow. That's you know crazy. while he 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 tosses money around because he's got it but then these other people you know they're really not that high in i mean they are they're they're they have a hundred million dollars or they have you know 300 million dollars or whatever but if you compare it to someone like cuban you know they're really rolling the dice a lot more than he is because he can just toss you know pennies here and there towards towards businesses and if they fail they don't hurt him but he's he's on a much different scale than than these other uh, sharks. But they, yeah, that was that was pretty much it for me on the. You know, stat. You, you talked about the the food being down or being up, excuse me, um, yes. and kids stuff being down. I I have to believe that that's part of the reason why you know viewership has to be down because I am not interested in watching someone pitch this food idea that you have. Yeah, yeah. I I I guess I'm kind of I, I would agree with that. Though, I, you know, and we'll get into this, but I I think that the food products are the ones that I'm most interested in buying. Like, I, I may not be looking for the next best invention, per se, of like a random product that's solving an issue. But, you know, I guess food the food ones are, in a way, but just to create, like, that's the thing that I might go to the store and buy because it might cost me three bucks and I want to try it, you know, to see if it's any good. But I don't. But I'm with you though. I don't think 
I would necessarily need to watch that. Yeah. I'll just end up, you know, getting it probably anyway. Yeah. Like I was seeing on, you know, they have a all shark tank products.com and there was like, you know, one that was like a f- coconut girl paleo desserts. Like uh, kids love vitamin infused flavored water. Like those are things that I don't need to see on Shark Tank. Right. I, I don't need to see the plant based food, Atlas, Monroe, plant based foods. Like I don't need to see that. Ta da yeah. foods, falafel wraps. Like I don't need to see that. Like you don't need to pitch me on that. I just need to know if it tastes good. And like yeah. I can't I can't tell that. And I don't have the same, you know, tastes as those sh- you know five sharks so maybe they're interested and they think it's good but like do i think it's good no but you know some like invention or anything like that that's you know something that might be more interesting to me so it would be interesting to see if if that's what maybe is turning people away i don't know yeah i don't know it it, i i I always wonder like is there a limit to inventions (laughs) like do you ever do you ever run out of an idea like just i mean obviously new things come along and then you have new inventions all the time but like a lot of the simple inventions have been made for everyday life and so i feel like food tends to be one that's like oh well you can always just make good food just change up the ingredients or what goes in it or whatever and 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 I also I do think and it could be ratings or tr- or trying to fix the ratings, you know maybe unsuccessfully so, but just people right now are very interested in food, and especially healthy eating, healthy living, and so you know if there's ways to you know whether it's affordable or just uniquely have food, but I remember watching a a product that was like it was like worst products on there and. Um, there was this one company that had like all these like no eggs, no soy, no like anything, but it was ice cream. And it was just like all this no dairy, whatever. And they like had this great pitch and then the sharks ate the food and they hated it. <laughs> They're like, this isn't good. Like, so if it's not good, why would we sell it? And, yeah. But I, but I do think that, you know, food is a, a uh, trendy topic I don't know if necessarily people want to watch inventors talk about it, but it is something that's relevant to, you know, the sharks wanting to invest in those yeah, products. Yeah. And like, for example, I'm just looking at the list right now, season 11. So we just had this, you know, we're in middle of season 11, episode 17, the frozen farmer ice cream. So basically they're taking a bunch of fruit waste that uh, we might have in America that, you know, is fruit that might have, of not looked appeasing to people that eat like the strawberries, you know, off off the the bush or whatever, yeah, or whatever other fruits, and they're creating ice cream out of that. Okay, cool idea. Like the idea, something that people probably need to invest in. But I'm not interested in watching that on Shark Tank. Now the next one, the one next to it, the critter pricker raccoon deterrent. Something I have no interest <laughs> in buying. But I want to see the pitch for this. I want to see yeah. why the guy made this. How does it actually work? I, I will probably not buy it, but I want to see that pitch. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I think it's it, it's better TV, right? To see 
that type of thing, at least for, for you and I, maybe, yeah. maybe there's other people that disagree, but I, I would much rather see and in like, and again, not to take anything from food inventions, but like, I think there's a much more traditional invention, which is like creating something that there's a problem. I'm now solving it with this, you know, hard adventure or invention or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It just feels different. Well, we agreed on one thing. So let's put our, the rest of our friendship to the test. Just become best friends. Yep. All right, Justin. So you know all of the regular guests. Obviously, they they have other guests that come on from time to time, and laundry list of people. We'll kind of exclude those, but from the main people, the main investors sure. on the show, who's your favorite? Yeah. So I thought I had an answer, and then as like we're thinking through things, uh, I'm just like second guessing myself. And so I'll give you my thoughts. Robert was always one that I was, you know, yeah. he, he has a very calm demeanor to him. Yeah. And uh, I've kind of been interested in him, but he also is very calm. And so he's not very entertaining. Mr. Wonderful's on the other end. Like, I don't like him. He's probably my least favorite. Who's Mr. Um, Wonderful? He's, um, oh man, what's his? Kevin? What's his, Kevin. Yes. Kevin Leary. Earlier. He's Mr. Wonderful. He's just like this. He feels like a jerk to me. And I just, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of his. I really respect Damon. I think, you know, I was reading some of his book. I like some of his stuff that he's had. So he was kind of in contention. And then Barbara, I also really like, but mainly from her backstory, not necessarily from the show. But after thinking about all of those people, I think I'm actually going to land on Lori. Because I think she's a good balance of like level-headedness, you know, risk taker. I like what I learned about her, like you know, taking, you know, risk and 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 really investing on a lot of these companies that are are you know a big piece of her fortune. So, and I just think I, I think she has a calming presence. So I just kind of like her. I probably put her as my favorite, but again, it's really close. I think the only one that's not is is, and Cuban Cuban's probably just above. Mr. Wonderful, I I just I don't, I'm not a huge fan of them, but everybody else is true. Wonderful, yeah. Uh, yeah, I didn't know. I yeah, mean, he goes he goes by that in the show too. The fact that you know that, I mean, I I feel like I, you kind of buried I, that lead. Just rolled off my tongue. I yeah. I, years of watching it, I guess for yeah. back in the day. Yeah, I um I think I immediately Robert I think obviously is is just so level-headed and kind of the calming one of the group and and so it's it's hard to not say that he might you know be up there in terms of a favorite just because he makes the most sense a lot of the time. I think I'm going to have to go with with Damon though because I after learning that he created Fubu, I think that's really cool. Um, yeah. I didn't realize that because they really don't talk. Ab- I mean, maybe I don't watch enough, but they don't really talk about that on a regular basis. They kind of allude to like their backgrounds and, you know, in the clothing industry and all of that type of stuff and, and how he's, you know, a big investor in there and has connections, but he, they never really talk about that. So I just learned that, you know, last night. So I think that immediately he was always like, up there for me as somebody that I, you know, thought would be interesting to, you know, work with and, and 
be on that side of things. And so just knowing that he created FUBU kind of created another level of respect for me. And so I think that's why he would be my favorite. Would you, would you, if you had a product, would you do a deal with him? Because I'm, I'm not very clothing or that type of industry. I, I just don't have good taste in that. I probably not because I, don't think he would be good in any of the things that I think I'm intelligent and could invent a product in. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, he, I guess some of them have very specific things they invest into. I think like I, that was came up in my day that I didn't talk about it, but just how like each of them, you know, I forget is if it was Robert that was tech or maybe it was, it was Kevin that was tech. I don't remember, but like one of them was in software and so yeah both of um, them are uh, one's okay, in security great. one's in one's in software yeah games. so like those are the guys that typically they stay to what they know and they'll like a lot of their investments or the majority of each of their investments are in products related to what they became famous in <laughs> so yeah i i think I don't know if I would have the right product for for Lori, but uh, I mean, but she her, is the queen of QVC. So if you invented I, anything, she could probably sell it. Yeah, right, exactly. And that's kind of I always really like that allure to her too, where she can just be like, she's like, unlike anyone else, she basically can wave that carrot of like, I can immediately put this on QVC and sell your product. Like I can tell you it will sell, and like that is you know, something that all the other ones provide guidance and, and, uh, advice. And then, you know, will help with some things if they're more involved, but, but she, she just, you know, if you have like a, a simple product or something, I mean, she can move that thing. Yeah. So I, I want to add this to it, but, or a little bit different, but what did you, do you have a favorite product from, uh, you know, the show that maybe, maybe not something that you've bought, but maybe a pitch that you liked or, or anything like that. Yeah, I have to say, I've never bought a product that was on Shark Tank that I knew was on Shark Tank. It, it's hard to not say that Ring would be a top for the favorite product just because it's so successful and, and you know, it did well and actually succeeded. There have been a lot that I'm like, ooh, like if that actually came to market, I might actually buy that. And they, mm-hmm. you know, never went anywhere, but. So I guess, I mean, I kind of am just going to cop out on, on saying that Ring would be, or DoorBot as it was pitched, would kind of be the the one. Um, yeah. It, it's kind of an easy answer, but it's... Well, I mean, not, not necessarily, because, I mean, it still went through the show, and, you know, now that it's big or whatever. But, yeah, I mean, I I don't know if I necessarily had a favorite product funny story for years i thought uh, i don't know why i've thought about this but i always uh, connected this one product to shark tank and it was this i don't know what i wanted to call it it was like this reversible umbrella basically and the umbrella you know obviously you have your traditional umbrella you when you get into a car it folds up into you know, a little canister or whatever so that you don't get the water like in your car. It just like leaks out. Okay. Then yep. it was, it's like fantastic idea. I remember watching it and then I did some research, you know, trying to figure out what season that was in. And I realized that it was from, uh, I believe is 
2006 and it was American inventor. And it was this show that like, I mean, you mentioned some of those shows that sparked this. And I think it was one of those kind of initial shows in the U S that, uh, that kind of helped, you know, even create some of those ideas that then eventually led to shark tank. And I always associated this, this inside umbrella with shark tank. And so that I was going to put that as my favorite product, but it wasn't even on the show, <laughs> but, but in terms of like products that I would, I'll, I'll, I'll say two things. There are two products that I saw that I currently own or currently have bought. And so one of them is ring. We have ring for our house, love the product or, or at least like it a lot. Uh, there's some challenges to it, but it's still a really good product. And I saw that they had, this was in the food category. I didn't realize this was on Shark Tank, but uh, Kodak, have you heard of Kodak baking? No. like It's like they have like baked goods and all that other stuff. Just Kodak um, the film. Yeah, not the film. This is, this is just focused on like just baking things. Uh, but it's like unique ingredients and they're supposed to be like high in protein and they're just like baked mixes. And I didn't realize this, but I mean, we bought that a couple times and, and they make, you know, pretty good brownies and some other stuff. Oh, Kodiak. Then, oh, Kodiak. Sorry. Kodiak. Yes. Not Kodiak. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. Huh? Okay. Yes. Yes. No, Kodiak. Okay. Still never um, heard of it, but yes. Oh, continue. But, you know, we, we've, uh, we've gotten that a couple of times and that's been pretty good. But, uh, but there's, there's one product that I haven't bought that, I'm intrigued by, and I, I went back and actually watched in my research because I wanted to find some that made sense. And it's Bubba's boneless ribs. And I don't know if you've heard of this. It's um, it's so the guy who in, invented it or whatever. Again, another food one. Maybe I was hungry when I was doing my research, but it was created by Al Bubba Baker, who was a uh, NFL player back in the day. And basically, it is what it is. So he's created some, a way to have boneless ribs. And I I like ribs, but I often don't get them because I hate all the work you have to do for it. And I like back in when I was in like elementary school and stuff, they used to have, oh, they were terrible probably for you and and totally like not fresh or anything. But they had like these like ribecue it was like ribecue sandwiches i don't know if you ever had that in school brian uh no but no it was basically like rib meat like that was put onto a sandwich it was really good but also like terrible but this actually feels like it's like legitimate ribs they've just like either re uh, removed the the bones or whatever it is but it's seen as one of the more successful you know, investments and campaigns on Shark Tank history. And I was like, I want to get that. Like, I actually am intrigued to buy the boneless ribs and cook them up and, you know, heat them just like normal ribs and then not, and just have the meat and no, no, no bones. So I've, I was really intrigued by that. Apparently Hardee's and Carl's Jr. sell the ribs in sandwiches. Oh yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily want to go to a fast food place to get it, but I will like, How's that I, any I, different? It looks like you can order. Well, because it's just like the Impossible Burger. Like, I'm not going to go to Burger King to get the Impossible Burger, but I might get it if it's served at a, you know, mom and pop restaurant. Mm. 
And the the reason being is because it is a different quality. Like you like a fast food place is just I don't know how they store it and everything else. But, like, I'm, but I'm this, skeptical this, of it. This Bubba Q says that all you have to do is microwave it. So like, how oh. is that any different than? Well, maybe it is similar to that, but it looks really good. <laughs> I want to like cook it. That they they have some different ways of cooking it. You can microwave it. I would probably choose not to. Yeah, I mean, but, the it looks like they sell it on QVC and in Yankee Stadium, actually. Yankee Stadium, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. More than 7,000 stores nationwide. It, it made my mouth water, and uh, I, I found myself wanting to get some, some ribs. It's interesting that you mentioned so many food products in your, your products. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't necessarily need to see the, the pitch, but... I'm more likely to buy something that is food. Yeah. I just like, I have more use out of those inventions. Now, granted, you know, you make a great invention if, if it's like solves a need that I have, but I also well, am, am slightly skeptical of, of sometimes inventions just because like, I want it to be tested and I want it to be like bought in on by like a real legitimate thing before I, you know, actually, buy it so like ring was a perfect example i got like right around when amazon bought it yeah well my my product so if you want to know the products we talked about this earlier but all sharktankproducts.com check it out you can go buy or they'll they'll at least tell you where you can buy the products but uh, my kind of unique product that i found that i would be interested in buying is called the all-in-one scooping bowl. It's now actually being sold under the name of Squeebie Multipurpose Mixing Bowl. Okay. But it's essentially a bowl and a mixing bowl that has kind of a arm on one side that has the ability to perfectly, or not perfectly, but uh, nice, nicely, I guess, sweep and squeegee the, the bowl. And oh. so it can make sure that you get all of the things that you mix. So say your brownie batter or your cake batter or whatever you mixed properly yep. out of the bowl. So you don't have any of the leftovers in the bowl. Now it yep. also, uh, they also say that you can use it as kind of a separator. So the little arm that comes down, if you put it in the middle, you could use it as a separator instead of having two bowls for maybe your chips and your guac or chips and your salsa you just have one bowl with this little separator in the middle and so i think hmm. that would be a great product to buy uh i i you know don't know if i have a need for it right this moment but the next time i'm looking for a bowl that i need to buy maybe i'm going to go buy the the squeebie uh multi-purpose mixing bowl yeah, I mean, I I haven't heard of that, but I'm intrigued now. You know, I mean, you can do only do so much with the spatula, and you know, you always have some leftover, and then you know, maybe you you get to lick it clean. But other than that, like to have to be able to to kind of solve that, that's actually a pretty small and but also like cool invention. Yeah, those are the types of inventions I like to see on on Shark Tank. Yeah. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Well, uh, before we get into our, our delusional here, like, do you actually think you could be an entrepreneur, Brian? Like, go, you know, ru- do something like this and, and go on to a show and pitch? 
Oh man, I forgot. I I just keep looking through this. I I forgot of one that I I wanted to mention too. Sorry. Do you, yeah, called, do you want to just do that one instead? It it's called the Physex. It's the beer pouring system. So essentially it makes your bottled beer or whatever type of canned beer takes whatever, you know, vessel that you got the beer in if it was a growler or a can anywhere in between and it is supposed to make it similar to a draft beer. I think that'd be a cool oh, too. Interesting. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, going back yeah. to your entrepreneur. Uh, so when you say entrepreneur, are you saying like one of the investors or the inventors? That I would say inventor. Like, do you think you could be an entrepreneur <sighs> and start a business yeah. and have what the shark, the sharks would want in an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's a good question. I, you know, when I was younger, I would have so many ideas to like, I, one of my, one of my big ideas was the coffee car freshener. Coffee car freshener. Yeah. So instead of having it smell like trees or new car smell, people love the smell of coffee. (laughs) So why not make it the coffee car freshener? My other one, my other, actually my, my other big one was, you know, thinking about the all the the treadmills and and um, elliptical machines and all of that stuff that that you know workout facilities have, why not? Th- those are all creating energy, right? Energy is neither created nor destroyed. So you have all of these people who are creating energy and it's going nowhere. Well, why not hook that up into your system of you know, power for the gym. And even if it's only a few, you know, a little bit of electricity, why not at least, you know, light a light bulb for 10 minutes or whatever it might be. And and at least give yourself some, you know, semblance of, of a little bit of kickback for electricity. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, that'd be an interesting way to do it. Like, remember, Uh, do you remember the, um, the sports center commercial? with Lance Armstrong, he was down in the, yes. and, yep. and, and this, yeah. I actually came up with this idea before they did that. Sure. Uh, but that is exactly the, the type of idea that I'm, I was kind of running with. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a, a interesting idea. I, I'm sure there's something out there that can uh, help store, like charge a battery or something, right. That can, you know, be used for something else i vaguely um, remember we, that oregon state university their rec center maybe is is using some of that idea yeah yeah i the uh yeah i don't i don't know it's when we talk about like entrepreneurship in general like i i mean there's very different levels of it right like there's inventing a new idea and then there's just you know, starting your own business, which may be something that is unique, but, um, but not necessarily like one of a kind. And, um, yeah, just getting into a business like, like these, I I always wonder, I feel like I have many of the skills that an entrepreneur could be, but even coming up with a cool idea, I don't know a lot of the ideas that I may have and I've had over the years is like, I have no idea how this could come to life. Like, I don't know how to use, you know, like that as a perfect example, like, I don't know how to use 
get bike to then charge a battery like or to charge or, or power lights how do you figure that out um so it's like one thing to go from idea guy to like executing and then the business side of it which that's where i think i could do really well is like running a business but i don't think the and even idea generation but getting from idea to actually you know product pieces you know if it's a product or um, making that idea come to life that definitely concerns me i actually very relevant uh to to this question and what you were talking about every once in a while you get that like random idea and we're we're in some you know different times right now with you know being stuck at home and and i'm sure that there'll be some unique inventions that come from this time period one that i was i ran into actually this past weekend uh, i was trying to play poker with a couple of my friends and we were looking everywhere for a site that you can have you know a video element tied to it because poker a lot of it is just reading tells and understanding those types of things but then also be able to play in a private room with your buddies and there was like no perfect scenario and you know there's obviously that's probably because you're on an android phone no it has nothing to do with that get out of here no like i was looking i mean there's there's apps we found a a uh a, a, an app called face poker or poker face which is funny enough it's called that that we tried you can only have up to five people though and those five people um you can't control what the what the buy-ins are or what the like you can't control anything and even if you're not playing for money, there's like, there's nothing there. And so I found myself in this spot where I was like, oh my goodness, there's, it's, it's not that hard. It can't be that hard to have a, you know, a generator that does the cards and then have a video feature and then be able to have private rooms. This shouldn't be rocket science, uh, but it felt like such a need uh, right now to like have, you know, games and stuff like that via via video chat versus in person because you know we're in this weird spot yeah see i think i could figure out how to get all of that done i think the issue i might have is the pressure of not like the pressure to get it done because that is your source of income and that is is your livelihood i think that's what i would struggle with if if you were to say oh brian like try to do this over the weekend you know, or, or, or on your weekends, I could probably figure it out eventually, but to say, this is how I'm paying the bills and I have to do this. I may not sleep until I figure it out, which would not be good for me. So by the way, I did, I did look it up. It is Oregon state. So this was back in 2009, Oregon state had 22 elliptical machines that they were going to collect kinetic energy uh, generated by the exercisers, so they actually estimated it that there would could be three thousand five hundred kilowatt hours of electricity produced in an, a year. So they basically compared this: if you worked out for thirty minutes, you can generate enough energy to run a laptop computer for forty-five minutes. To give you some perspective, yeah, I, I actually, and it's funny you say, I think you brought this up in our electricity episode back back in the day oh maybe because uh, we, we talked about I, I don't remember you talking about the study but but just the fact that if you worked out for 
you know, I think that actually was a delusional thinking question. And would you work out for all your electricity? Oh yeah. Shoot. Why aren't we talking about this again, man? So, well, no, I was entrepreneuring from, from, you know, episode five or whatever. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's cool though. I forgot that it was that even to be able to do that. I mean, again, it's a laptop, but, but, you know, to provide power and do that, it's, why not if you're doing it already, right? If you're already exercising, get a little bit of extra energy in your house. Yeah. Well, uh, I obviously forgot about talking about that in our electricity episode. So I must <laughs> be delusional. So let's get into some delusional thinking. You really are crazy. All right, Justin, what do you got for us this week? All right. So would you rather have a viable you know i'll put that in quotation marks uh invention and compete on shark tank okay so you know just like we're talking about being one of the inventors coming on yeah or be given one hundred thousand dollars if you can survive one night trapped in an actual shark tank or we'll say like a shark cage yeah okay and the invention are they guaranteed to you know invest in it there is a 56 percent chance that they will okay 56 percent chance that they will what's yep. the what, so you've just made it onto the show you haven't necessarily guaranteed yourself a deal yeah okay 56 percent chance being a male sounds like less likelihood than yes than yep. a, a little bit less Surviving in a shark tank. Now, I'm not an expert on sharks, and, and and maybe this is not smart, but to me, it's an easy decision to go with the shark tank and trying to survive in the actual shark tank for $100,000. Okay, interesting. Because, because sharks... I mean, a shark is not going to just, like, attack me just to attack me, right? I don't think. <laughs> you need to learn a little bit more about sharks, my friend. There are some some uh, pretty vicious sharks out there. Well, okay, but, but can't you just hit them on the nose? <laughs> yes, is, Isn't that the defense, right? Y- uh, yes, you, Brian, can hit a shark on the nose when you are surviving an entire night with sharks around you. And, and are, are sharks, are they hunters at night? I, I wouldn't think they were hunters at night. I I couldn't tell you when they hunt, but I do know they do hunt. And I, and, and I, you know, for, for a visual, the way I'm picturing this, so you have, you can be in a, you know, traditional shark tank, which is probably in an aquarium, right? Yeah. Something like that. That's not what I'm picturing. No, no I'm no, picturing no, no. Yeah. like a cage that gets put down, let's say off the coast of the Hawaii or Galapagos or something like that, where wild, you know, sharks are there. Like, Oh, in a, in a... honestly, I was picturing that, that this was like a, a very very tiny aquarium shark tank where they like sharks were just constantly all around you no 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 this is the wild and you're in a you're in a cage so they can't 
presumably get through, but you're there for a night. Oh, easy. No question. I'm doing that. Oh, really? I thought you were saying like that I would be in the the tank by myself and like potentially, you know, actually swimming with the shark without any like cage around me. Cage. Oh, yeah. Cage. I'm okay with. Yeah, if they get through the cage, okay, I'm doomed. But but I was thinking you were like, yeah, good luck, Brian. You're in a, you know, I don't know, maybe the size of my my living room uh, tank. Very small aquarium tank that, uh, sure. that you have, you know, almost like the idea behind a lot of those, like, what is, what's the show? The Dare Show? Uh, not Double Dare. Um, um. Fear factor. Yeah. Fear, fear factor. factor. Gosh darn it. All right. Fear factor type of things where they you have to sleep in a tank filled with snakes and all that type of stuff. Like sure. where yeah. the sharks would be all around me all night. That's what I was kind of envisioning. So yeah, like being dropped down in a cage in the wild for a night, that's no no problem. Hundred thousand oh dollars, I'd take it. You are thinking about this way way too calmly. So one, I would say, and I know we're not comparing necessarily a tank versus a cage as the debate, but a tank, again, I think the sharks are going to be much more docile. They're they're used to seeing people that are, you know, in their tank, cleaning the tank, feeding them, whatever it may be. And so I feel like that's not much of a risk. But put me in a cage in the middle of the wild ocean with sharks that can like I've seen videos I've seen movies of course but I've seen <laughs> videos of like like sharks being able to dent these things or to break them at times and like it is like yeah and, but and you're also moments, seeing you're also seeing the videos that are released that way you're not seeing how many people actually dive that way without any issues well here's the thing though in these scenarios every time I guarantee, and I haven't done this, so I can't speak to it. But every time they have a safety valve, right? They can pull up at the at the moment that something goes wrong, and they'll be fine. But in this scenario, you don't have that. You're stuck underwater from the entire night, and and just think about this: it's dark, right? You can barely see anything. Maybe you have a light, so you can see a little bit, but it's dark, and then all of a sudden these sharks come at you and hit the cage or whatever i would be but okay so part of the reason part of the reason this is happening is because they're like chumming the water and like they're trying to track the the sharks yeah right i'm not doing that yeah this is the same scenario no 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 no. you want to you want to be in a cage where there are sharks therefore if they're chumming the water or whatever they want to do there's going to be sharks there and you have to survive that night in that cage. That's the, that's the challenge is that there are sharks. It's not like, Oh, I might see a shark or not. No, you are in an area where there are sharks and they are interested in you <laughs> and you are just behind a couple bars. That's, that's the scenario. And, and the, the crazy thing is, here's the, here's the funny part is, you know, we've talked about your thoughts on this. I actually am kind of thinking the same thing, but, <laughs> but I, but I'm, I'm 
coming in with a level-headed mind that says, I am willing to risk it because 12 hours or whatever it is nighttime um, of my life to get $100,000, I will be terrified. I might have a mini heart attack. I don't know. But I think I can do that. I think I can survive it. It's relatively safe, although incredibly scary. And I get $100,000. Whereas the the Shark Tank, the actual, like, well, not actual, but, like, the show going on, like, there's obviously a risk. I think I could present myself in a case, and we haven't talked about this side of it, but, like, I think I could do that, go through the process, know your numbers, all that other stuff. But at the end of the day, it's a 50-50 chance that you even get, or, or really, it, I guess it's 60% chance that you even get it. I mean, you, you could just have an idea that they just don't spark to, and then you get nothing. Um, you so, still have your idea, though. You do, you do, and and a lot of these these businesses get a little bit of love, even if they don't get a deal, because they still have businesses and I mean, people spark yeah, for them. Ring didn't, so maybe you're the next ring. True, yeah, right, exactly. So I mean, I guess there's there's that option, but um, I don't know. I I'm drawn to testing my heart and going into the thing, but I'm coming in level headed. I'm not thinking it's going to be easy. There's going to be sharks that are trying to get me. You ch- you you were on me that entire time, and you're gonna <laughs> agree with me? Well, yes, but I'm on you for different reasons because you are thinking that this is like, oh, I get to be in the ocean for 12 hours at night. Like, no, you are in the ocean, infested with sharks that are trying potentially to get to you to eat you. Like that is terrifying, much more terrifying than just sitting in the ocean. For well, but but my original thought was that they were all around me at all times and in a you know tank, and even if they weren't necessarily always trying to get me, maybe just even a bite, and they were you know an accidental yeah. bite, and then because the problem is once you start to bleed, then right you're you're in oh, trouble, yeah. right? Yeah, so, at least that's what the movies say. Right. And an <laughs> accidental bite could be very easy or just like a scrape on their tooth as they swim yeah. by or or a scale or whatever it might be. So that could be, you know, that's where I was coming from first. So the cage at night, I don't really care. I, I'm good. All right. So You're just going to bop them on the nose when they stick their nose through the cage. I am. Yep. Oh Jaws taught me something. That. I'm. I am not in a cage with you. That that's the one determined. I am. I will be in my own cage, in a separate area away from you, and they can be trying to, you know, get you because you keep popping them on the head. Yeah. Well, I mean, I might survive. Yeah. Well, we'll we'll see. Well, good. Good. This is a fun topic. I I thought it was a good balanced uh, history and stats, and then some some fun debates in there. So I hopefully. Hopefully the listeners uh, agree. Um, but uh, but as per usual, if you haven't already, we're still coming at you every week. So make sure you subscribe to Apple, Google, or Spotify, or really wherever you're getting your podcasts. Uh, you'll get that little notification when we go live. And uh, and follow us on, on Twitter at Quest for 100, Facebook at Quest for 100 Podcast, and Instagram at Quest for 100. And, and just a small shout out, you know, because we're talking entrepreneurs, 
you know, during this time, try to support your local businesses, whether that's, you know, ordering takeout or, or delivery or whatever it may be. Um, but uh, just it, it's good to support the community. Yep. All right. Well, uh, we another week down of the quarantine quest. Who knows how many more we have to go. But uh, thanks for joining us on the Quest for 100. Quest for 100.